Welcome to You Are Not Alone, a recovery podcast. We're here to share our experience, strength, and hope with recovery. Just realizing I didn't bring up my little script that I like to bring up to remind me what to talk about to start the show, but apparently I don't need it because I've got everything memorized or what I do need memorized. But what I do want to tell you, in case you're in AA or a 12-step group and you're worried about the traditions, we try to keep ourselves anonymous and to abide by the traditions. So we're trying to do this the right way. I have my guests, John I and Steve C. They're returning to the podcast. Gentlemen, what's going on? Hey, Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm good. So Just we're gonna- another fine day to recovery. Yeah, you guys are helping me out. I'm uh, I'm getting like three days in a row of alcoholism talk, which I wouldn't get normally. So you're doing me a favor. And I'll tell you, doing this has helped me immensely. I was in such an, a rut for recovery. I wasn't drinking, but I felt like I was in a rut. And this mm-hmm. has pulled me out of it because when you're doing a podcast, you kind of have to do some research and you have to yeah. talk to people and you have to do some work. And all of a sudden I'm out of the rut. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, this is a different this is a different form of recovery. I mean, don't drink, go to meetings. That's the staple we've all lived by for many, many years. Um, but like you said, Matt, we we had a conversation yesterday. You know, we had the we had our Monday night big book meeting last night. Um, I listened to um, to Greg, part one of Greg this morning on this podcast. You know, we're we're doing this right now, and uh, tomorrow is a kickoff of Joe and Charlie big book on Zoom. Um, you know, with the first, very first Joe and Charlie big book study tapes. Um, I don't even think they were taping it to like, let's make tapes, you know? So I got three days right in a row, recovery, recovery, recovery. Um, and like you said, it gave me an opportunity to go Google some God stuff, you know, it's like, okay, what's, what, what's out there in AA approved literature and what's else is out there in other type of 12 step or recovery stuff that, you know, has to deal with God. Good stuff, man. Steve, what are you up to other than uh, making sure that these meetings get off on a hybrid basis? You're the cutting edge of technology in 12-step groups right now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Cutting technology. Uh, No, I'm like you guys, you know. I mean, um, I I literally try to talk recovery every day, right? I mean, I I try to do that. and this week, it'll, this week it'll be that. I went uh, su- Sunday, uh, you know, I was hiking with a couple guys um, in, in recovery, went out, did a little hike. And um, no, that was Monday, as a matter of fact. And then I did uh, the Monday night meeting. And then tonight with you guys here and tomorrow night, John Charlie. And I got a guy coming over uh, tomorrow to walk me with me in the morning. Thursday, a guy that I'm doing some step work with coming over Thursday. Friday is my meeting. Saturday, another guy to do step work. So that that's what I <laughs> that's what my recovery looks like. It's that like a shame, <laughs> right? It's like that's what I do to say uh, to stay sober. I really do. Um, I know if you you know it may sound like a lot of stuff, but to me, it's just it's it's just what I do. You know, um, and I, I enjoy it so much. I really do. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people online, and I'd say the number one thing I've gotten from people who are online were saying, hey, maybe I'm close, but I don't want to go to a meeting, is you guys are always talking about God. I had one person say his uh, his primary care guy said, don't go to AA. It's a cult. 
they'll rope you into God. You got to believe in God one way. And I hear one variation or another. Now, I, I said before we started talking, it's the number one obstacle. Steve, you said something different. It's the number one what? Excuse. Yeah. Yeah, no, listen, I had my excuses why I didn't want to get sober when I knew I needed to get sober, right? I mean, there's a difference between knowing that we need to get sober and really wanting to get sober. So, yeah, I had, I had my excuses, and, and I tell the story the whole time. I, I grew up in a family with alcoholism. I had a brother who was, um, was and I mean this truthfully, he was way worse, worse than I was, and I compared myself to him. And when I first came into the meetings, I always said to myself, I needed to find different meetings than him, which I look back at and I laugh at today, right? I mean, as if there's some type of different meeting out there. Um, but, yeah, it's an excuse. Um, it's, it's, listen, you're ready when you're ready. We know that old saying, but, um, yeah, it's a good way. You know, I, I tell people, I've had people tell me that. And I tell them it's not an issue. And as we get into it tonight, I can tell you by experience that it's not an issue. I want to start with something from one of the Joe and Charlie's. I grabbed this off of YouTube. So if you missed a previous episode where we talked a little bit about Joe and Charlie, Joe and Charlie are these two guys traveled the country, just really breaking down the big book. People go and buy their tapes online and they do like we're doing. They have a uh, 10 to 15 week sessions offline in people's houses and you do a big deep study of the big book. So we're not going to do a deep study tonight, but we're going to talk a little bit about about God. And here are some things that come up that might you might identify with as being an obstacle. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing an oasis, drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table, and he refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about, I queried. And he looked straight at me simply but smilingly. He said, I've got religion. Now, I'm damn glad that didn't happen in my kitchen. (laughs) I have no idea what I would have done. But here's what Bill did. He said I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot... Now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yeah, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. So we're talking about Bill W., who was the main writer of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. He is known as one of the main founders of AA. And this is the famous meeting with Ebby Thatcher, where Ebby came in. Ebby was sober. Ebby was hopeless. Bill was curious about it and then aghast when Abby's bringing in religion. How dare you? It's not what I want to hear. It's threatening. Yeah, I love love Abby, Abby Thatcher. He's probably, he is, in, in my opinion, and, and I think we talked about it, and all three of us were in that one Joe and Charlie group where we had a lengthy discussion on how uh, – Ebby didn't get enough credit. <laughs> you know, here's here's a guy. Bill looked at that, him as a sponsor. He said that publicly. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 So Ebby brought a very, very important piece to the whole thing together. And, um, you know, he's, he's so, so underrated in recovery. But, you know, I can I can just see 
Ebby and Bill sitting across from each other at that table that night, you know, and, and Ebby was part of the Oxford groups at that time. Roland Hazard had gotten him out of jail up in, up in, uh, Brattleboro, um, and, uh, you know, so they got him involved in the Oxford groups and the, the tenants of the Oxford groups. And one of them was to go out there and carry the message really close to the 12 steps what we see today. You know, so here's here's Ebby on his um, his mission, you know, because he's like a missionary. And uh, that's the way they treated it. And he goes up and he sees Bob, uh, Bill and uh, they're pretty much, you know, Bill wants Bill wants his old drinking buddy. But Ebby's not drinking. So Bill's drinking and Ebby's there and Ebby's trying to carry this message of, uh, you know, of you got to pray to God. And Bill does not want to have anything at all to do with it. And I can see Ebby just getting so frustrated. He's trying to carry the message. He's trying to help Bill. He's trying to help him recover from alcoholism. And Bill doesn't want nothing to do with it. And I think the way that I look at it is, is Ebby got a little bit fed up and Ebby just said, fine, fine. Then why don't you come up with your your understanding of your own God, you know, God, as we understand him, that's where that old thing came from. And Ebby had such a key role in this whole thing of making Alcoholics Anonymous open to whatever you can believe in. It doesn't have to be the God of, the God of the, the Christian John, God, Christ, Buddha, Allah, um, you name it. You can have whatever it is. It's There's not one cookie cutter God or higher power or whatever you want to call him. The beauty of AA. Yeah, I, I would even take it further than that. I mean, and, and you know, we all know we've discussed this before. I, I certainly think, um, especially from my recovery, that Abby, um, I mean, you can't. You know, Bill Wilson is is who he is, right? And and Doctor Bob, um, but Ebby is the guy who did it for me. Ebby 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 was the guy who allowed me to to get sober in a way that I needed to get sober. Um, and the truth is, you don't have to have any concept of God. You you really don't. Um, we, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that because when I when I came into this program. Um, I, I had a conception of God. I still have that conception of God because it's the only conception I've ever had, and it was the God of my childhood. Um, but I didn't believe in that God anymore. So, you know, what do you do when you walk into this room and you no longer believe in God? How do you get sober when you no longer believe in God? Um, that was my dilemma. And... Um, Ebby gave me the out for that. Ebby gave me the pathway, not the out. Ebby gave me the directions for how to do that, you know, um, with his meeting with Bill. I think with Ebby, it is the best instance of a power greater than you, because how else would that come across? That Bill had to be drunk and he had to be that frustrating and difficult to deal with, where Ebby just had to blurt that out. Because Ebby's with the Oxford groups, we're talking first century Christianity. This was sort of, you could sort of call this a cult, the Oxford groups, because it was, we're going to follow this one way. And if I'm not mistaken, AA kind of got started because they had to part ways because they were allowing all these drunks in and the drunks were going one way and the Oxford group people who weren't drunk were going another way. And it wasn't 
the primary purpose of the Oxford groups. It was helping them, but it wasn't their primary purpose. This wasn't a problem I had coming into AA. I had an, the, that was like the smallest piece. I was worried about step eight and step nine of like the amends the first time I was walking in, but I just assumed the God stuff would be there and I was fine with it. Matter of fact, I had first meeting I went to, I actually felt comfortable doing the Lord's prayer. Cause I'm like, at least I know this at the very end. I'm like, well, I could leave this. I know this. I don't know anything else, but at least the Lord's prayer. I knew, I think I had more of a problem with the organized nature of religion. Now I've, I've developed more problems as I've gone along, but I could never get into God by standing up, kneeling, sitting down, going up for communion, coming around, drinking the wine, going in this order. I got to go to confession on Saturday. And if I don't go to confession, I can't get the host. And if I don't get the host, then my spirit's not in good shape. And if I don't do Easter mass, you know, all of that type of stuff. And I get into my own head thinking, well, God didn't create the order of the mass. Some guy did. Mm -hmm. Now you could look at that as divinely inspired, but some guy did. So why do I have to find God that way? And it's, I've always thought about there are, there are priests and there are religious people who are alcoholics. And I've also thought about, well, if they're religious people and they're alcoholics, do they have good spirituality? Like, how does that work? But that was sort of my thought process coming in around God. But, but just one thing, is, isn't that part of what you're saying is the problem? If I'm a newcomer who isn't brought up in that Christian faith, when I don't know that prayer, like you just said, that prayer that made you comfortable makes other people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? So, so just like I same thing with me, I could lead that prayer too. Um, but if I wasn't brought up that way, can I walk out of that meeting alone? Oh no, this isn't the meeting for me. These guys think differently than I think. There was one piece that made me uncomfortable about that prayer. It's the Protestant Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. as opposed yes. to the Catholic Lord's Prayer. We don't say it. Yeah. That was the one piece. I'm like, I'm going to stop talking because this isn't the right prayer. <laughs> I never. Yeah, when I was here sober, I did an AWOL group, um, and there was uh, it was you know just a, a bunch of us garden variety drunks, and there were two people in there that were Jewish. Um, and you know, like we close every, every single meeting, we open it usually with the serenity prayer. We close it with the Lord's prayer, you know, on the second meeting, they spoke up and they say, you know, we don't know this prayer. We're a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, what can we do? Can we change it up? And we ended up changing the closing prayer to something that everybody felt comfortable with. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I think somebody found it someplace. It wasn't really a, it was a kind of a prayer, but it, it was non-denominational. It didn't have the word God in it. Um, and, you know, we all got a copy of it and um, we started reading from that sheet going on. Um, now, AWOL groups are a whole different story than than um, than Joe and Charlie. The AWOL groups were here. 24-week commitments. And, you know, so we got really to know each other. And by the end, of we, we memorized this thing. I can't tell you today what it is because it's been so many years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a good portion of the world is 
Christian based. What do we do with the with the Muslims? What do we do with the Buddhists? You know, um, people, Jewish faith, uh, Hindu. I mean, they're all different. You know, it's. I, I did feel comfortable knowing something, but to Steve's point, what about the people that don't understand this, and or they're just so put off from anything that could resemble religion in any way, shape, or form? Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was Matt or, or Steve that made the point. I think it was Matt. Um, I was about five, six years sober, and I was going through a very, very difficult time in my life. Um, and I made the decision to go through the steps because I didn't want to feel that way again, again. Um, and, uh, you know, in a lot of references in the big book, it all it talks about prayer, 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 prayer. And growing up Catholic... You know, altar boy, catechism, CYO, the whole shooting match, everything, holy days of obligation, you name it, we had to do it. Because I wasn't going to the God of my understanding, I was was believing in the God of my parents' understanding. I went to go see this priest uh, because it was recommended to me. Somebody very wiser than I did said, hey, why don't you go see this guy? And uh, Father Dudak out in Simsbury, Connecticut, now since passed on. And we had a very, uh, very honest conversation on how to pray. And um, what I got out of it was, you know, all I knew how to pray back then was any canned prayer that I knew or something from the mass that I had memorized. That's what I thought prayer was all about. And he came up with such an ingenious uh, explanation in a very simple way. He says, why don't you talk to him like he's your friend? And it's like, wow, what a concept. And that's how I started my evolution or my quest for spirituality or spiritual growth is the God of my understanding is somebody that I can I can talk to as a friend. It's somebody that I actually have a relationship with rather than just reading all these canned prayers that I grew up with. That's the only way I've ever known how to prayer, know how to pray from a, a young child because the prayers didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, I could do confession and do 27 Hail Marys, and the 27 Hail Marys would help me in so far as it would put me in a trance. That's the only time that type of praying has helped me, or like doing the rosary and praying the same way over and over again for like a half hour. But, right, you go into you go you go into confession, a Catholic religion. You go to confession, a little bit like a fourth step. But you go into you go into confessional. You tell the priest your sins, and he tells you to say so many Our Fathers, so many Hail Marys, or you say the Rosary because you're really, really, really bad. Um, and you and you had to do all these things. To me, it meant nothing because I was just reciting something that I had learned as a child, and it meant zero to me because I didn't believe in the concept. And walking into Alcoholics Anonymous that first time, you know, and like Steve had talked about, um, you know, the God of my childhood and adolescence was no longer in the picture as far as I was concerned. And you walk into your first AA meeting and you see, you know, let go and let God. Um, you see the you see the twelve steps up on the the little uh, window shades, and it has in three or four of them. There's the word God, 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 and that freaks people out. Freaked me out. It's like, what am I getting myself into? You know, and you only come in there with a one foot in the door and one foot out. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the question the question for me is, um, and I think the question for a lot of people, which is why, Matt, you, you brought us together tonight, is, you know, what do you do with the atheists? What do you do with the agnostic, right? Like, um, do, we, do we tell those people that this program isn't for you? Um, of course not. You know, one, one of the benefits I have, um, I had, and, uh, is that um, I was sent a sponsor who's a Buddhist, right? So my sponsor doesn't believe in a God, right? Um, and although that was like not part of it, he didn't talk about that at all. But that to me, um, in hindsight, not while it was, while it was going on in hindsight, uh, was really important because we sat there and we had, a, we had to talk a long time. Um, when I got to, you know, when I got to step two and I realized that there was a higher power that could restore me sanity, that was, that was fine because I could just say that my, you know, my sponsor at that time was more powerful than me. And certainly the AA program as a whole was more powerful than me. Um, you know, so I really, I really had to take baby steps at that point because I'm not sure I wouldn't call me an atheist at that point, but uh, I, I really had no, I had no interest in God. I had nothing. I wanted nothing to do with God, and I spent some time with my sponsor saying, "Okay, if I don't, if I don't believe in this God of my childhood, if I don't believe in this." religious God, then how do I, how do I move forward? And we spent several weeks discussing that exact topic, you know? Um, and like I said, I can talk from experience that I moved forward through these steps and into this program, um, without an understanding of God. And we're just using, you know, the fellowship and in particular, my Friday night men's group as my higher power. As I went through the steps, that's what I used. I've heard a lot of people talk about the group of ju- group of drunks, G-O-D, mm-hmm. as people's first higher power because that group of people who know how to stay sober have more power than I do. So that's going to be my power for a while. I should post it somewhere. Uh, Roger Ebert was an AA for many, 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 many years, decades. And he didn't really write about it until the very end because he physically couldn't drink anymore. He had a tube down his throat. And he talked about the woman he sat next to said that her higher power was that radiator because she knew she was safe when she was in that room. And he talked about not believing in God, yet there was clearly some type of higher power. Uh, What meetings have you gone to where somebody has told you your higher power is wrong? Does that happen? Yeah, it's never happened. You know, I believe, you know, we, we tell people, I've told people, you believe in what you want to believe. Um, I had a sponsee that I was working with many, many years ago, and he was, he had a real big problem with the God, with, with God talk in, in meetings, so much to the point that he would go to a meeting and if they got into any God subject, he would get up and leave because that word God would anger him so much because he had such a resentment over that, that word. Um, and it was only through a lot of talking and a lot of uh, discovering, you know, it, to try to, I think where we ended up is every time that he heard the word God in the meeting, he would think of his 
higher power, his conception, the God of his understanding. Um, and it took a long time for him to actually make that movement from being so angry at a meeting and getting up and leaving to staying to the meeting to have that relationship. But when you heard God, you think about your what means what it means to you. Um, and that's the biggest hurdle to overcome for some of the people that are still coming in. They they still hear the God of the past rather than the God of the future. Um, I don't call the God of my understanding God. Mine is the great spirit, the creator. Um, and I'm allowed to do that because AA gives me that ability to believe in what I want to believe in. We'll be right back. Do as I say, not as I do. Are we that generation? Or are we doing and working on ourselves just as much as we work on the technology that we crave? Artificial intelligence and the concerns, I would say, were pretty valid. But the interesting thing about that is is it valid because that's how we see ourselves? Are we are we looking at them but then really seeing us? Yeah, and, and I, I think for the most part, um, I think everybody, you know, I, I wouldn't say everybody because there's always a few few outliers, but uh, most most people allow you just to believe in whatever that is that you want to believe in. Um, I think that's, that is the beauty of this program. And it goes me, it, it goes back to what I said early on, right? If, if somebody's coming in there and they're kicking and screaming about the God thing um, for me, it's, you know, and again, this is, this is through working with a lot of alcoholics. Um, it's just an excuse. It's just a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just another way. It's, you know, it's like anything else there. You're just, they're just not ready or they're just trying to find a reason to say, no, I don't want to do this now. Uh, because the truth is I tell people all the time, it is not an issue. Uh, I'll tell you this. I just went last week. I was at a, uh, a service. It was a Catholic service for a family friend, the mother of a family friend. Um, and, and we've known, I've known her for my whole life. And it was, we went down to the um, Basilica, the Immaculate Conception in Waterbury and nice big Catholic church and one thing the priest said that just hit me and it's it's partly what i say and he said um as we pray to god which is above all of our understanding right we cannot understand if you want to believe in a god then that god is above all of our standing and you hear the same thing that you know the saying if you if you understand who your god is and you're shooting too low or your concept is too small. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not something I fight with anymore. Um, you know, I have after years in the program and doing these steps over and over and over again, um, I've come to a totally different conception of what I consider to be my higher power, which I use the term God cause it's simpler, simple, really. Not so much because, because even when I say that word God, the only conception I have of God is still that childhood conception that was built into me, you know, drilled into me for my whole life. So when I say that word, I still have that same thought in my head. 
but that's not my belief anymore. You know, my belief, my, my belief is more in a higher power than it is of an entity that most people understand or would call a God. And I'm sure that Bill Wilson, he, he, I think he, he understood this whole issue with alcoholics and God when he was writing the book. Um, I think he understood that. He was like that himself, um, you know, right back from that first interaction with Debbie Thatcher. Um, and I think, you know, over the years, I've collected a list of references to God in the big book. And, and Bill was a creative writer. And I think, you know, he he didn't use the word God has can be offensive to some people. So in his infinite wisdom, divine intervention, whatever it may have been um, right now at this point, there's 23 different references to God in the big book. And there may be more. I get I get text messages or phone calls or, you know, you know, guys, you know, we're meeting an appointment. Out. It's like, hey, did you get this one? Did you get this one? And, you know, it's just so the the conception of the God of your understanding comes out loud and clear. Bill chose words like power greater than ourselves, right? Right from the step. Him who presides over us all. How vague can that be? Spirit of the universe. God. Creative intelligence. Universal mind. Spirit of nature. I like this one. Czar of the heavens. <laughs> the creator. Supreme being. All-powerful, guiding, creative intelligent. God of reason. The great reality. He who has all knowledge and power. Boss universal. Friend, capital letter, noun, as in newfound friend. Um, the presence of God, father of life, realm of the spirit, presence of infinite power and love. Him, broad highway, presence of God. You know, I think what Bill's point was that as you're coming to meetings and as you're talking with people and as you're hearing these things, when you hear that word God, that God, the word God is a universal word that everybody understands. It's a it's a just a basic word. It's a reference point. And when I hear the word God, it means something to me. When Steve hears the word God, it means something different to him. When you hear the word God, Matt, it means something different to you. Not all three of us or the whole Alcoholics Anonymous organization is health whole believes in the same thing. We all believe in something different. It's just a word. Hey, John, I think you missed one. I just Googled it. What's that? You, you know what it is? Um, on page 63, it says, you have a new employer. Oh, I remember that an, one. An employer is a capital E. There you go. See, it happens every time, all the time. It's like, I, I, I found one. He remembered the same thing in the English classes I went to, which is, Use different words in each paragraph or each sentence. And he's careful, much like in basic English class, change up your words not to be repetitive, because there's also a lot of that, too. Uh, our friend Sam, who's since passed away, uh, approached me after my second meeting uh, and cornered me as he cornered many an alcoholic in the past for 20, 30, 40 minutes in the rain. And one of the things that he said was, uh, don't worry about the God stuff. Go get yourself a sponsor. That was like his first thing is get a sponsor first. 
then worry about God later, but don't worry about it now. And I, I said to him, like, that's not what I'm worried about. But I, I'm, I'm a little different that way. What do you think caused Bill to put this in and why was it important? Why was it part of what's going to get you sober? I think it's part of the um, how Bill didn't create Alcoholics Anonymous. Bill was just the person in the right place and the right time to put all these puzzle pieces together. Um, the the conception of the God of your understanding or the higher power comes all the way back from Roland Hazard's experience to Dr. Jung. Now, Dr. Jung was a disciple for lack of a better term of Sigmund Freud. So there was the three biggies of the world, Sigmund Freud, Adler, and Jung. So Hazard goes over to Europe for a year to try to get sober because he can't get sober on his own. He's been part of the Oxford groups. The Oxford groups haven't been able to get him sober. He doesn't know what the problem is right now. That doesn't come until Bill works with Dr. Silkworth. So he's got this one piece um, you know, and so for a year, Carl Jung is trying to force the spiritual experience or the spiritual awakening in Roland Hazard because left on his own devices alone, on his willpower, the best he can do is hire a bodyguard, like he says in the book, hire a bodyguard or lock himself up into a mental institution because he's just going to drink himself to get death because the only thing that can save him is some phenomenon outside of himself. God, you know, whatever it is. Here's the thing, right? If, if, if I could have gotten sober on my own, if I had that ability, then I, I certainly would have done it. I wouldn't have spent all that time. Right. And I think that uh, we who are alcoholics certainly understand that, um, for the vast majority of us, and that's not everybody, but for the vast majority of us, uh, there is no getting sober on our own, um, that we need help. And, um, and I think Bill understood it as being a help from a higher power. Um, you know, part of that today is our higher power and the group of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, that is for me, that's my, that's my experience with that. Uh, I, I would have tried. You know, I did try. I shouldn't even say it. I did try. Even when I came into AA, after I left AA, and I tried to stay sober and live my life on my own without any of that. And at that time, I had a God of my understanding in my life, but it still didn't work for me. Um, so I, I think it was pretty. And, and don't forget, one, you know, we're talking a little bit like this, but Bill wasn't writing the book alone right he had lots of input so there were other people if you read the history of the big book there were other people pushing back on the god stuff not just bill there were people pushing back like hey you better you better you better go go easy on that you know so i think he got some good advice from some other people and decided to make it uh as you know you know less religious in, in a much a much more spiritual direction for this program, yeah. which I think is the beauty of this program. Mm, yeah, and I wouldn't call AA religion at all. It's oh, it's, no. it's spiritual. I mean, it's yeah. it's and that's the only way to describe right. it is spirituality. Yeah, for sure. I would say it's you're not 
you're not following an order. You're not doing it a certain way where there's dogma. But I will tell you, I have felt the presence of God much more often in an AA meeting than I have going to church. It's almost to the point now where I don't feel it at all going to church. And I've had the hardest time, especially being Catholic with all the priest scandals, that I'm really disgusted and really have a hard time with the Catholic Church. And I've looked to other churches. I've looked at it almost like a business. Okay, just because I have a problem with the Catholic Church doesn't necessarily mean why can't I go find God somewhere else? Just because I'm Catholic doesn't mean I can't go to a Lutheran church and enjoy that. But I think I've even gone beyond that of it's okay if I don't go to church. If I find God the way I find, I, I look at religion this way is it's a, it is a religion, but it, it's also a pathway to spirituality. And if that works for you, then that's great. If it doesn't work for me and I find another path, I think that's okay too. And I think if it's, the radiator or something, and that's working for you and you're happy, that's good too. I just don't want it to be the thing that prevents you from coming in just because you you have that. John, you talked a little bit about the God of the Spirit. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I've, I've heard you in a retreat talk about it, and I thought that was enlightening. Um. The God of my understanding is is the Earth God. Um, it's it, it's based primarily around um, Aboriginal spirituality or Native American. Um, I do have Native American uh, blood in my ancestry, not a lot, but it's enough to say that yes, I have Indian blood in me. Um, I am more connected. I've always been this way. I've I've been I've been more connected when I'm outside in nature than I have ever had been in any building, organization, uh, religion, you know, whether it's Catholic, I've been to Lutheran churches, I've been to, to non-denominational Protestant, Congregationalists. Um, and I don't, and, and just like you said, Matt, you know, you were going to church to begin with, and you don't feel the presence of God in church anymore. Um, you feel You feel more in the presence of God at an AA meeting that you did in the church. Um, in the church, I could recite every hymn, every, when it was in Latin, I could do the whole mass in Latin because it was so repetitive. When I am troubled, when I have something I need to deal with, when things are just not right with me, not only do I pick up a phone and I call another alcoholic to try to get me through all this stuff, uh, but I'll hop in the car or right where I live right now, I'm a short distance away and I hike up into the woods and I'll find myself a place where I can just gaze out over the hills and over the valley and just be alone with my thoughts so I can absorb the presence of God. I feel the presence of God in the outside. Uh, um, I, had a, I had a close friend, you know, um, he had a... Um, I had a saying, he goes, if you think you're a God, go climb up on a mountain, go look over, uh, or go all, look over into the valley and watch a sunset and then ask yourself, can you do a better job? You know, uh, to me, there's such beauty out there with the trees and the rocks and the lakes and the rivers and the ponds and the animals and, you know, everything just flows together very naturally and it's all 
they all depend on each other, whether it's the the insect, the small little uh, marsupials or the, the rodents, um, you know, the predators, the different different uh, hierarchy of, of the predators all the way up to the apex in this area. It's the black bear. Um, but they all depend on everybody and they all balance everything out. Where else can you find that? And that speaks so, so much to me as a person. Um that's my understanding of God. It's the, it's the, the earth mother, the, 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 you know, the four directions, you know, the North, South, East, West, they all mean something different to the native American and the great father, the great spirit, you know, the creator who, who created all this stuff. Um, you know, there's so, so much into native American spirituality that, you know, um, their customs, their beliefs, you know, if I've only scratched the surface and Steve made mention of it a little while ago, um, it's not that once I find the God of my understanding, I'm over and done. That's a spiritual quest. And God, for me, is always evolving on a daily basis. I learn something new and it's like, wow, yeah, I never knew that before. And my understanding grows a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, you know, and some people get put off by that. Um, even in AA, they get, you know, um, I was up at the retreat and, um, and there's a, um, there's a native American prayer on the four, the four corners. And, um, I happened to be doing the talk on 11th step and I pulled that, I keep a lot of stuff in my big book and I pulled that out and I started reading it cause it would, it, the prayer meant something to me. Um, and my grand spots or Eddie, he'd come up after me and he'd call me mountain man or <laughs> else you know <laughs> started busting my balls you know because of you know he was just getting around he didn't mean nothing by it. it was no malice but it was just some way of having some having a little poke at me and having some fun and uh and that's the way i took it i wasn't offended you know um uh, but it was you know that's that's me and that's who i am and he, that's what i believe he's a great example of the differences because he is a hardcore catholic oh he is Big time. I, I'm I'm jealous of him. I'm jealous of people like him who get that comfort from organized religion and the Roman Catholic God because I can't understand it at all. But somebody like Eddie, I look at and say, how do you do it? And in some ways, I think I would prefer it, but I, I it's not the path for me. I will tell you one of the things that helped me was, John, you turned me on to Back to Eden Gardening. And I watched the Back to Eden movie. And if you if you have a problem with God, this might not be the video for you. You might have to look past it because there's a lot of God stuff. But it's if I were to boil it down, it's putting wood chips down on your garden. But it's more than that. And he is very, very spiritual. I've seen some videos with him where he's asked, well, do you go to church? No, I don't find God at church. I find God here. And this is a guy who is incredibly devout and we'll talk in terms of God spoke to me here. God spoke to me that, and there's a lot in, in that gardening video that relates here because it's when I get involved and start messing with things, it breaks down. When I just leave it alone and do like in the forest, it thrives and that's good enough for him, but it's not good enough for me. So I've watched other videos on why that works and basically you're creating life underneath the, the, you're creating the environment where bacteria, where you talked about the, the food web, 
where if the bacteria up to moles and stuff have a place to live and that unlocks nutrients. So it's a place if I can just back away and not get my hands dirty, I'm going to get what I'm looking for for a lot less work. And I find a lot of spirituality from that. And the more I learn, I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm helping to create life. Not just my plants, but underneath that in the soil that wasn't there before. And if I was left to do it myself, I would screw it up and kill things. But if not, I've created the environment where somehow all of this stuff happens without me doing it and it gets better. It's hard not to look at that as, as a sign of something bigger than me. His biggest point during that whole video was, does, does mother nature or, or does God go out and fertilize the forest? Does, do they go out there and till the land and turn it over? You know, you go out into your front yard and you put a stick in the ground. It's like concrete. You take that same stick and you go out into the woods and the thing just sinks right down uh, because Mother Nature is doing what Mother Nature is supposed to. When man gets involved, we try to do it our way and we screw everything up. Um, you know, that's it's so simple and it's so perfect. Just let things do the way it is and you've experienced it with you throw the wood chips on it the ground gets so soft it gets moist underneath there it's getting plenty it's breaking down all those those uh the wood chips you know anaerobic and anabolic uh you know it's just breaking everything down putting nutrients back into the soil holding the moisture down there and you don't have to really do too much yeah, you know, Matt, I want to step back and talk about um, when you were talking about Roger Ebert and the woman who had the radiator as her higher power. And uh, one of the things that uh, I, I think that one of the beauties of AA is the fact that there's a singleness of purpose. And the singleness of purpose allows us just to focus on, you know, us getting over our alcoholism. And therefore, not let anything else get in the way of our singleness of purpose. And that's why we're all able to go there with a different conception of God and focus on the singleness of purpose. Or no conception of God, right? It doesn't have to be our own conception. It could be no conception of God. Um, I had a conversation with my sister, who is um, a very evangelical Christian. And we started. I started talking to her, and... Um, and we got into it when I, I actually told her that we probably shouldn't talk about religion. And we ended up talking about religion. <laughs> and I just told her that my that my understanding today, unlike my understanding, is that uh, I don't need a I don't need somebody to help me have a relationship with my understanding of my higher power. Right. I don't need anybody in between that. I don't need anybody to tell me how that should go. I think I think. The two, you know, my higher power and myself, um, we can we can figure that out on your own. And and the and the problem that I've had with religion, because I am not a religious person today, is all religions pretty much think that they're the chosen religion. And this is the conversation I had with my sister. I just find it hard to believe that everyone else who doesn't believe, like my sister or like I did or like someone else does, that somehow those people are not worthy of of God and his grace and all of the things. So, um, so that's why I've said to people, you know, God is not a problem in this program. Um, we're the problem, right? We've heard that. I've, I'm the problem in this program. 
nothing else. So it's it's really uh, it's really a good it's really a great topic. I'm I'm really happy you asked me to come on and talk about it because what this does it helps me to continue to think about my connection, my relationship, and not only that, and how I how I use it every day. I look at this as a topic. I could do like 20, 30 podcasts on mm-hmm. and we would hit it a different way every single time. Absolutely. You had mentioned about the different religions. And I think one of the things that this makes me think about is, is I, that's the thing that gets me out of it of with all these different approaches. If you believe what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is if you look at all these different approaches, it makes you think somebody's got to be wrong. So if one person's wrong, maybe a bunch of groups are wrong. And then it gets me out of my head. Um, I'm doing a little bit of, I was watching a video on Mormonism, which Mormonism is a relatively new religion, a Christian religion, but even some Christians don't look at Mormons as Christian. And it is a view that you could look at as, it's a strange view that God came to the indigenous people of North America after he died, of course. But if you think that through, why is that any stranger than anything else that's out there? It just happens to be a newer thing. And that you can go down this path and it can take you out of, well, they all must be wrong if one person's wrong. And you get into your head. And I think thinking of myself the thing you somebody had mentioned this earlier around it's tough to get your head around this and i think that's the thing if you can understand that it's okay if you don't have that conception fully formed because the idea of a higher power is beyond what we're capable of fully understanding yeah um what what are the things that uh you hear over and over in the Joe and Charlie tapes, if you do them, is that, uh, and it's another one of those things that I've loved since I've connected to it. And they say, it's not in the finding, but it's in the searching. Right. And, and when people, when people ask me about my spirituality or, or what I'm doing in that, and um, I just tell, I just tell them that I'm on a spiritual journey. And I, that is the way I describe myself today. And like John said, it changes for me, right? It changes for me, I'm not sure on a daily basis, but it changes for me all the time. I believe differently today, and I believe more powerfully today. That's what I believe more than anything else. I believe more powerfully today in, in, in a presence in my life uh, than I did a year ago. There's no question about it. And, and, the way I describe that belief is that um, I just feel that that I'm okay, and that no matter what life throws at me, I'll be okay. And that's not a feeling I used to have in the past. Steve, what you said is both comforting and frustrating at the same time. And a friend of ours who's in our Joe and Charlie helped me with this because I talked about a spiritual journey and I thought I was doing it wrong. It had taken too long, and he said. No, you're on the journey. And as somebody in business who is goal oriented, because you have deliverables, it's not about the journey. It's delivering something. But this is one where you got to get your head around. This journey is going to take the rest of your life. You will not complete the task. 
success is you've grown a little bit and learned or even I didn't know what I didn't or I thought I knew this and something happened to blow my mind and I know less than I thought and being okay with, well, that's a positive. It's about, and that's, that's hard for me because again, all day, eight hours a day, I'm about deliverables. This isn't something you can have as a deliverable. This is something you learn as you go and the small acquiring of knowledge each day is the deliverable. Can't hear you, John. Either that or you stop talking. <laughs> and there's a little button on it that says mute. You have to unpress yeah, you gotta it. You got to it, old man. I, I, I just learned this. Um, i got to rewind my brain. Oh, yeah. It, it's all about the journey. Um, you can get to me as an alcoholic. When I reach my destination, you know, going back to Bill's story, I have arrived. You know, I got to go find something else to do because it's just not good enough. You know, I work and 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 I obtain that goal, that destination. It's like, oh, well, this wasn't so good. Now uh, yeah. Now what? The You know, here's it's a spiritual quest. There's all this is something I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean it's a burden. It doesn't mean that it's a chore. It's something that's always evolving. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I had a, um, uh, a friend of mine, we, we all know him, Jimmy A. Um, we decided that we were going to go to Newfoundland and go on a moose hunt. Um, and that was June. The hunt wasn't for another year and four months, but our adventure started that day when we called up the outfitter and we gave them our credit card numbers and we put down our deposit. It took, we were on this journey for a year. We went to the range, we bought new gear, we bought new firearms, we developed our own ammunition, we got topographic maps of the area we were going to, and, you know, we were watching YouTube videos on moose hunts in, in Newfoundland, and we were doing all this work and, and talking, like, almost every day about this trip, and we finally get up there, and we start, you know, we do the hunt, and Jimmy was successful. Um, I wasn't as far as harvesting an animal, but the owner of the outfitting group, he came up to me, and he, you know, we were just talking, and they, we, I got to fly a helicopter back forth, you know, 40 miles into a bush of, of Newfoundland, and the outfitter came up. He goes, oh, I'm sorry that you didn't get your moose. And I go, why? I said, I had a trip of a lifetime. I said, everything that I thought it might be was and i go it was it was the adventure i was looking for harvesting an animal was like well that's just like the cherry on top of the big sunday you know the adventure is what i crave the adventure this whole time this whole year and three four five months i'll remember that far longer than if i pulled the trigger and i shot this animal you know, it's the adventure and, and it's very close to the quest that I'm on or the the journey. You know, I'm seeking. I am seeking this what God means to me at a very deep, intimate level. And it's the journey that that gets me going and it gets me excited um, that it's the journey that helps me to pick up a book and read spiritual awakenings or, um, you know, the um uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah. 
they refer to it all the time. It's I got I got a block here. Um, I forget all the time when I have a microphone in front of me. Oh uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's about the so with um, you. It's old age. Yeah, I'll figure it out. It's, it is old age, but it's it's right. You know, you get this thing in the tip of your um, Emmett Scott. Emmett Scott. Okay. Um, his book. Uh, Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount was one of them, and there was another one um, that he wrote. Uh, Keith B. is a big pusher of it, um, and I've dabbled in it. It's tough reading, but it means a lot. I mean, it, the, what he's saying, it makes sense. Here's what I heard about your trip there, and this is sort of like the trip you have with AA, is what the end end up reward that you had was not bagging a moose. It was that you and Jim got closer because you had a common purpose for a year you were planning for mm-hmm. and a closeness you two never would have had otherwise. No, the no. trip itself, it almost it almost doesn't matter that you went on the trip. I mean, it's great that you went on the trip, but that actual planning and singleness, a purpose that the two of you had. And I think that's why Bill used the Titanic um, analogy, you know, back in there in um 1912. Uh, well, the I think it's in There is a Solution is where they talk about the great ocean liner, you know, where we have, you know, people that don't normally mix the the bottom gutter variety drunk and the high society. Per, you know, in this this case, they're using the people that he used. Uh, what do you use? Uh, the 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 overalls, the brogans and the cheese sandwich versus the people that dine at the captain's table. Um you know, two totally different parts of the world, two greatly different financial capabilities. But when they're cold, when they're asked at that cold water, they all had a common bond. You know, they're all in there clutching for dear life. And these people, that time that they spent together has this bond together that nothing can break it. And they'll always be a, attached to each other because of this experience. And that's what AA is all about. We all hear on we all have this problem of alcoholism or substance abuse, drug out, drug, drug addiction, whatever it is. It's all the same, you know, but we're in a room or in an organization that everybody in there suffers from the same thing. And there's comfort in this. There's safety in this. You use, uh, you know, Frank P uses the wildebeest crossing the Nile, you know, the herd mentality mm-hmm. to where people on the, you know, the inside of the, 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 the animals on the inside of the herd they're safe. The ones on the outside get picked off. And as long as we stay together, we talk to each other, we talk on the phone, we spend time outside of the meetings. You know, recovery isn't all about going to a church basement for an hour, hour and a half and listen to somebody's woes. It's about going out there, meeting people with the same interests, the same problem, alcoholism, and building your life around these people because it helps you and you bring that recovery outside the meetings into your personal and social life. You do hunting trips, you go on hiking Mount Washington with, you know, two other alcoholics and you climb all the way up. Why? Because it's there and you come all the way down and you do all these things in a sober environment that I never experienced before Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I was living in a facade, you know, now that I'm sober, I'm I'm living life without clouding my mind or anything else, and I'm enjoying the people on my journey. Steve, I think you were going to say something. 
Now, uh, one of the things that when you were talking about your trip, John, uh, it's, you know, John and I do a lot of hiking together. And, uh, you know, one of the things is we, we go hiking and we hike, you know, big mountains in the East Coast. So if you listen to the East Coast, we hike up in the White Mountains. And uh, the thing is, you never know what kind of view you're going to get when you get up top. You know, you always hope it's going to be a clear day. You're going to see for miles and miles. But we've hiked many times where you get up there and it's all clouds and you can't mm-hmm. see anything. Um, it, it, you know, is it different? Yeah, I mean, you like the view. But, uh, you know, we hike because we like to hike. And we have a great time hiking up the mountain and talking and experience all of that stuff. Right. Uh, it's the same thing. You know, it, you know, getting a clear day is like bagging the moose. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to get. But it's not, it's not the whole purpose of the trip. The purpose of the trip is to do it and hike and, and experience it, right? So, uh, yeah, and, and, that's, and you're absolutely right. Like I said, uh, you know, it's one of the things. I just, I know a couple of guys, they hike. They hike much smaller local stuff. And I know they did. And I saw them at one of my meetings. I said, hey, you know, I'd like to hook up with you guys and, you know, we'll do some hiking. Said, hey, we're hiking Monday. So uh, we went out and did about a four mile loop around a reservoir with the dog and, um, you know, nice and easy thing. And, but, uh, it gave me, I, you know, I spent over two hours with these guys, got to know them a little bit better. I know them well, but got to know them a little bit better. And, uh, and we decided that we're going to do more of that. You know, uh, we're going to do more of that. We're going to try to do it. I think we're going to hike with those guys at least a couple times a month. And mostly local stuff, like I said, nothing too hard, but just to get outside, mm-hmm. spend some time with some other people. And just like I said, get to know these other people, bond with them a little bit more. Uh, and, uh, yeah. It's, it's, the it's, fel- it's the fellowship. And, yeah. you know, we've had many and many a conversation on the trail, and it's not about bullshit. I mean, you know, uh, today when Greg was talking about, you know, I don't have a place to go or there's no, nowhere to talk, talk to men's issues. <laughs> you know, when I heard that the flags are going up and it's <laughs> like a men's meeting, you know, you get to know other alcoholics, you know, when Steve and I, or Steve, I, and Dave, we go on a hike, you know, most of the way, you know, we're talking about real stuff. We're not talking about, well, how did the Packers do last night? And the Red Sox suck again, and the Yankees are going to annihilate them this year. You know, we're talking about who we are as people and as men, you know, and how we feel about things, how our relationships mm-hmm. with our wives go, some of the problems, some of the some of the some of the the pitfalls, or how you know something has happened, and how did you do on this thing? It's it's real, real stuff, and it's it brings back the intimacy. Um, between two people, um, we get, you know, yeah, it's good outside, nice, nice air, good exercise. The dogs have a blast. We have a good time watching them, but there's that, you know, you're with each other, we're with each other three, four hours, sometimes mm-hmm. all day. And we're talking the whole time about real, real things, men's issues, Greg, men's issues, Alcoholics Anonymous. So the beauty here is with the pandemic if you really want to go to one of my meetings that i go to it's on zoom you don't have to go to a main meeting like i could go to a main meeting if i wanted to i could find it on zoom now i don't have to stay in town anymore i was looking at meetings one night because i was looking i was going to go to the wednesday meeting i used to go to and i found out because those guys 
Um, they just got an abacus before the pandemic, so they're not doing a Zoom meeting. <laughs> so they just got an abacus. And so I was looking for like another Wednesday night meeting, and I'm like, ah, crap. There's meetings, but it's showing up in Greenwich. And I'm like, wait a second. I can go to a Greenwich meeting. Why can't I do that? And I struggle with that. I struggle with the, with the whole, well, that's not my town thing. Uh, so I got to keep in a more open mind with that. Uh, but I think this is a good time to pause because I hope we haven't scared people away. And I hope that the takeaway here is don't be afraid of the God thing. It's open up to your understanding. It's also not the most important thing. You won't get beaten over the head. Um, and if some guy who sits next to you is talking a lot about God or a higher power and you're uncomfortable, you can go get another seat. You can do that too. Or you can ask somebody of like, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? Somebody will probably help you. And again, if they're a dick, go find another seat because there's probably 99 out of 100 people who are not a dick. So I wanted to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I think we will probably come back to this again because yeah. this is one of these things we got to come back to over and over and over again. The other reason is because alcoholics have a, have a built-in forgetter. So there's that. So we'll do more next week. So come join us next Tuesday where we'll do something different. Bye, everybody. You made it this far into the podcast. That tells me you're a pretty big fan. If you like what we do and you find value in the podcast, consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash soberfriendspod. Your donation keeps us on the air to help out the new guy and helps us defray some of our costs. If you find value in our podcast, please consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash soberfriendspod.